Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us, that we would hear your word, and that it would bear fruit in our lives all to the honor and glory of your name. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So why does this even matter? The Bible doesn't even use that word. It doesn't make logical sense. And yet, Christians believe, because God has revealed it in Scripture, that God exists as the Trinity, one God in three persons. As one scholar, Millard Erickson, puts it, we do not hold the doctrine of the Trinity because it is self-evident or logically cogent. We hold it because God has revealed that this is what he is like. So we affirm this truth because God has revealed himself to be the Trinity, one God in three persons. And this is essential to knowing him as he actually is. In our readings from today, we get glimpses of the Trinity. So I'd suggest that Genesis is sort of the Trinity in creation, And our reading from Romans is the Trinity in redemption. And in Matthew, we see the Trinity in mission and our call to go. And today, on this Trinity Sunday, we're actually beginning a new sermon series following our lectionary through the book of Romans. And so while the word is absolutely not used, when we look carefully, we see the doctrine of the Trinity that it's actually key to understanding this glorious passage in Romans 3. This passage that the church reformer Martin Luther called the very center of the whole Bible. So we begin today our new sermon series in the book of Romans, picking up a few chapters in, in chapter 3. And as we'll discover, the fact that God is the Trinity is essential to this passage and to understanding the gospel. And so we're going to try to get at this message by asking three questions. What did God do? How is that just? And how does that relate to us? What did God do? How is that just? And how does that relate to us? So if you would, whether in your Bible or in your bulletin, would you turn with me to Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 21, which was read already? As we ask these three questions, Romans chapter 3, we'll pick up in verse 21. So the first question, what did God do? So there are are many movies in which something has gone wrong and then suddenly the hero comes running in or riding in on a horse with news that changes everything. The character comes in and stops the wedding, or halts the execution, or interrupts the trial with some new announcement or information. And this news that they come in bringing changes everything. That's the thrust of what's happening here in our passage from Romans. That's the feeling that the but now of verse 21 carries. News comes and that interrupts and changes everything in the story. So look here at chapter 3. What has God done? Well, Paul has spent his whole time up to this point in Romans 3 showing that every single person is in the wrong. 
Every one of us, Jew or Gentile, black or white, female or male, every one of us is guilty before God. So if you looked back just a few verses, in verse 10, it says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And so with the courtroom image in mind, we know what comes next. We know the, the verdict. Guilty. But in comes the interruption with the announcement of good news. But now. Something has changed. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The announcement, the good news, the gospel, that God's righteousness has now been shown through what Jesus has done for us, through the cross. And as a result, all who believe, who put their trust and faith in Jesus, re receive His grace as a gift. And that announcement changes everything. But it's not just information that God provides. It's not just a letter from a lover to stop a wedding, like in a movie, or a new piece of evidence to stop a trial. This is the announcement that God has done something. God's righteousness is revealed through something that He has actually done in human history. So what has God done? Verse 25. Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. It says that God put Jesus forward. That's sacrificial language. That's what a priest does to an animal about to be slaughtered. God put forward Jesus as the sacrifice in our place. And Jesus is that ultimate sacrifice that all the Old Testament sacrifices pointed to all along. As it says in verse 21, the law and the prophets bear witness to it. They've been pointing to it all along the way they've been pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the sacrifice on our behalf in our place. God puts Jesus forward as our substitute to die in our place. And he is, as it says, the propitiation for us. Now that is a loaded word, and I promise we will do probably a whole sermon just on that word, but that day is not today. But it, Jesus, his death, turns away the wrath of God from us. And that loaded word is also connected with the so-called mercy seat from the Old Testament. So on the, the Ark of the Covenant, the ornate box that the Israelites had been instructed to build, on the top of that was a special place where God said he would be in a special way. And that spot on the top of this box, the mercy seat, became the physical place where heaven and earth meet, where God and humanity meet. And as it says in verse 25, Jesus is that. 
Jesus is the place where God and humanity meet. What did God do? He put forward Jesus to die for us, and Jesus is God and man meeting. Jesus is the God-man. While the word is not specifically used, this is a reference to the Trinity. Jesus is the God-man, God incarnate, God the Son. And this announcement that changes everything is that God has come among us in Jesus. And Jesus, God with us, has died in our place as the ultimate sacrifice for us. God is vindicating himself by coming among us and saving us. What has God done? God has shown himself to be the Holy Trinity. And God, the Son, Jesus Christ, has become one of us and died and rose again. Displaying God's righteousness that is now ours who believe. And he did all of this, as it says in verse 26, he did all of this to show his righteousness, or justice is the same word in Greek, to show his righteousness, to show his justice at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He did all of this so that he would be just and that he might justify us. To make us right. That is what God has done. So the second question is how is all of that just? Because that's what he says is part of why he did it. Why he did this is to show that he is just. That's verse 26. Well, it's interesting how different we are than the people of ancient times, but also, frankly, how different we are from the majority of the world today. Because we tend to think, if God is just, it means he won't punish. I mean, we're pretty good, after all. I mean, we're not perfect, but we've never really done anything all that bad. If God is just, what he should do, we think, is just sort of let our faults slide. I mean, we're supposed to just forgive right? So God should just forgive, right? But the Bible makes clear that it actually should be the other way around. If he is just, he must punish sin. And we get glimpses of that, and we understand that concept as long as it's not directed at us. But we think, for example, about the police officers who recently killed George Floyd. Justice requires that that evil be punished. If God does not punish sin, it would be unjust to just let that go. So as it says in verse 25, in the past, God passed over sins committed, and we think that's good, at least if it's about us. But the whole point is that if he did that forever, he would be unjust. Justice demands dealing with sin. So when evil is not punished, it would be natural for us to question God's justice. So God deals with sin decisively. By, as we've already seen, by putting Jesus forward to be the sacrifice. 
This Jesus who is God himself in human flesh. Sin is dealt with and defeated on the cross. And so the accusation that God is light on sin cannot stand. He dealt with sin at the cost of his own son. And this again is where the essential doctrine of the Trinity comes in. So an author that I've read, and because I'm going to be so critical of what he said, I will leave him nameless. Um, But this author claims to be a Christian and takes serious issue with the idea that Jesus died in our place. If, as this author says, if the Father sent his Son to die for us, that's injustice. That's the innocent dying for the guilty. That's not justice. And he even goes so far as to call it cosmic child abuse. This idea that a father would give his son to die as an innocent one on behalf of the guilty. But God is the Trinity. It's not me deciding to kill a child, like this person said. This is the Trinity. God Himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together acting for our salvation. Jesus is not a helpless child sent to His death. God Himself is choosing to give Himself for us. And if we understand that Jesus is Himself God incarnate, then we can understand that He is not a helpless victim at God's hand, but He, as God incarnate, chooses this path in order to save us. And see, the Trinity is essential in our salvation. God Himself becomes one of us in order to die for us. And of course, it's absolutely true that we don't kill an innocent person instead of a guilty one. That's absolutely injustice. But because all sin is against God, all sin is primarily against God. Secondarily, sure, it's against us, but sin is always primarily against God. And because of that, because sin is against Him, it is just for Him to step in and take our place. All sin is against God, and God is the one who pays our ransom for us. And so once again, the doctrine of the Trinity is essential to the gospel. And in this case, it is essential to the justice of God. God shows himself to be just in dealing with sin decisively, no longer letting it go unpunished. And God shows himself to be just by taking it upon himself, not on someone else. God swallows up our sin and punishment in himself because God is just. So now the third question. How does all of this relate to us? Look at verse 26 again. He did all of this to show his justice, righteousness, same word, in order to show his justice, to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He did all of this to display his justice, to vindicate himself, to vindicate his justice, and to justify us. He did all of this in order to make us right. Because if you remember back at the beginning, the verdict that was about to come on us, on all of us, was guilty. 
But in comes the announcement that God has acted for us. God has solved the problem. God has made us right so that we are no longer guilty. And we sinners can be free through what Jesus has done for us, which we receive in faith. Sinners like us are freed. As Fleming Rutledge put it, good news for the spiritual, good news for the righteous, good news for the innocent, that's easy. God helps those who help themselves. But the Christian gospel, dear friends, is good news for sinners. How does this relate to us? We sinners can be forgiven. We sinners can be made new. We sinners can be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus as our own. And we become children of God. Children defined now by who our Father is, no longer by our sin. And there is no gospel, there is no good news of Jesus, no vindication of God if God's character is not maintained. But equally, there is no gospel without righteousness for us, the ungodly. But in Jesus and on his cross, the righteousness of God is displayed for all to see. The justice of God is revealed and we are redeemed through the precious death of God incarnate for us. We are rescued by our God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I would suggest that there are many times in reading the Bible that the appropriate response is simply to get on our knees and give thanks. And I think this is one of those times. And so friends, let us marvel at the goodness of God towards us. God, who in his eternal being as the Trinity decided to put forward God the Son, Jesus Christ, as the ultimate sacrifice for us. God, who graciously passed over former sins so that in the fullness of time he could deal with them himself in the flesh. God, who offers his free gift of grace to all who put their faith in Jesus. God, whose righteousness and justice is displayed for us on the cross. So acknowledge, as it says in verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that includes you. You get to be part of that all who has sinned. And the righteousness and justice of God through the cross of Jesus Christ is for all who believe. Put your faith and trust in Jesus who did this for you. And give thanks. Give thanks to our Holy Trinity who has come among us and set us free. God the Father who sent God the Son and fills us with God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. Holy, holy, holy. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Amen.